Let's pray together. God, it is good to be together. It is good to be in your house. It is good to worship you. You are the God of mercy and justice. We thank you that you have called us by name. Thank you that you know us. You know the things that we bring in with us tonight. We pray for those of us who have uh, intense interim classes and have just a couple more days to go. And we pray that you give us the persistence to finish well. Thank you for the classes we've had that have allowed us to study different things and new things. Thank you for these opportunities to learn more about your kingdom. We pray for all of our friends who are traveling, and we pray that you bring them back to campus in safety. We pray that everyone has a good recovery and reentry, and that we start second semester well. God, we pray for all the guests who are coming in this weekend for the worship conference from all over the world. We're so grateful for this opportunity to be reminded that the body of Christ is in all nations and speaks all languages. We rejoice in that and celebrate that. Thank you that we have the opportunity for some of us to lead, and we pray that you bless us as we lead and as we teach. Thank you, God, for a place where we can lift your name high. We pray for things beyond our campus. We pray for our nation. We pray those of us who are citizens of the United States. We are grateful to live in this country and yet also so concerned. We pray for an end to the shutdown. We pray for the 800,000 workers who are furloughed. We know that that's impacting our friends. We know that that's impacting churches in the D.C. area. And Lord, we pray that it ends soon with good resolution We pray for humility and compromise from all sides. And on this day, uh, when we remember Dr. King, we're grateful for the progress that has indeed been made around reconciliation between the races. But Lord, there's so far to go. And so we pray that you continue to open our eyes to what we can do to promote understanding and peace and justice. We know, too, that this is the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, And we grieve the lives that have been lost. We're also very aware that people we know, people here right now, may have endured abortion. And we pray for your mercy and grace in their lives. We pray that they will know the power of forgiveness. We pray that they will have the healing that they need. Lord, there are so many things that can weigh on us, our government and race and life. And we pray that you help us to be wise and faithful disciples of you, people who live out the good news of the gospel in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, whether that's in real life or on Twitter or Instagram. Lord, make it really clear to everyone who knows us or thinks they know us that we are your disciples. Help us to reflect that in everything that we do and say. We thank you for the opportunity we've had this interim to look at different subjects in different ways. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you guide us tonight as we think about evangelism, we think about this world that you love. Open up our hearts again to the good news of the gospel. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So if you've been with us for the last two Sundays, you know that we're doing three weeks on questions that you all submitted so the, the first week was on what? Trinity, good job. Way to go. Second week was on what? Yes. And tonight is on? 
Evangelism. Good work. Yes. Evangelism. Evangelism and how predestination works into that, and evangelism and how a global context fits into that, and evangelism and how our own friends and family fit into that. And so uh, that's what we'll be working with tonight. That's our focus for tonight. Now, evangelism, very simply put, is telling someone else about Jesus. That's it. There you go. That's evangelism in a sentence. Telling other people about Jesus. That's it. But we sometimes get overwhelmed by the idea of it. We get overwhelmed by, can I do this? Is this possible? Will this person hate me? There are lots of layers to our thoughts about evangelism. We think about other cultures, and we think, how do we do that? How do we make that work? And then maybe we think, like, why? Why do we have to do this? This seems like kind of an intimidating thing to do. Why do we do this? Why can't we just, like, talk about Jesus amongst ourselves? Well, because Jesus asked us to talk about him to other people. The last thing that he said before he ascended into heaven from Matthew 28 was this. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember... I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That was his last thing that he said before he ascended. Go, go, go into all nations, make disciples, go. And then the angels come as they're all the disciples are looking up into heaven and they're also like, go. I believe he told you to go, 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 go now. And then they do, they go. And the book of Acts is a story of evangelism. It's a story of what these people actually end up doing. And so tonight, we're going to take a look at some of the stories in the book of Acts and look at what they teach us about evangelism. So begin with Acts 2. This is page 885. You want to have your Bible out and kind of keep it open as we walk through this. So the disciples are all together. It's the Feast of Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival. They're all together. A lot of Jews from all over the world have gathered together to celebrate this festival. They've been praying together. Jesus told them to wait, so they're waiting and praying. And this is what happens. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, the disciples and friends, were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, At this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans 
I mean, Cretans are like Cretans. Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered, because there's always somebody, and said, they're filled with new wine. So, they're all together, they're waiting, just as Jesus had told them to do, and now the Spirit comes, and whoosh, they can speak in the languages of all the people who are gathered there. The first move of the Holy Spirit is to say that all nations thing, he was serious about that. All nations. And I'm going to give you what you need to speak to all of these nations right here in this moment, right out of the gate. Christianity is global. Right out of the gate. All of these people start talking about it. They what is happening here? They all go back to where they're from. They all start talking about it. The church begins to grow and spread. More people come to faith. And it's this crazy time. And then, of course, there's some persecution because, you know, they're getting kind of big and noticeable. And then they spread out because of the persecution. But the Holy Spirit's not done. The Holy Spirit, if you read the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit does one thing after another after another. And we're going to look at the next, one of the next things. This is chapter 8. Page uh, 892, verse 26. So Philip is one of the disciples. Listen to what happens to him. And an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go. A lot of goes tonight. Go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Good. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning home seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, like, you know, Ethiopian eunuchs do. No. No. This is a very unusual person. He's incredibly wealthy, incredibly distinguished, well-educated. He's so wealthy, he bought his own scrolls. All right? It's not like they had Amazon or Barnes & Noble just go in and pick it up. This was a huge financial investment. Had his own scrolls. So well learned that he could read the Hebrew. Ethiopian. Read in the Hebrew from the scroll that he bought in Jerusalem. Very unusual person. Okay? So then the spirit says to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? We don't all get this kind of setup. 
to share the gospel. It doesn't always go this well, but Philip gets an awesome setup. Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, handy messianic prophecy, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. (laughs) That is crazy. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself as Azotus. And as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So here again, the Holy Spirit's like, okay, we're going to tackle a whole other country, probably into a continent. Let's go. Let me introduce you to this guy from Ethiopia who reads Hebrew and is currently at the part of the scroll that's talking about Jesus. Let me just set that right up for you. Now, we have Ethiopian Christians who are students here at Calvin. And they have ecclesiastical traditions and history that dates back to this story. Their church has some of the oldest Christian traditions in the world because of this moment right here. If you go to Ethiopia, you'll feel like a very young Christian compared to the centuries of faith that have been in that country. Ethiopia. The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, uh, let's now go to Ethiopia. Right? It's just, he's serious about the whole world. He's serious about going everywhere and reaching everyone. And I love that language about he snatches them away. All right, job done. Now go here. Also not something that usually happens to us. But the Holy Spirit at the birth of this church is being so intentional to say every language, every nation, every place. Flip the page to Acts 10. We're going to skip around in chapter 10, but we're going to start with verse 1. In Caesarea, that's a town on the Mediterranean Sea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household, He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter, He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who had spoke to him had left, 